0: Welcome back to Five Pin Universe's fifth podcast. Um, We have the usuals here, Dexter Wiseman, Tim Wiseman, Adam Weber, and we have a special guest, keeping the Ontario theme going, of Mitch Davies, 2017 Regina Classic Champion and the 2018 Club Tour Champion at Neb's Fun World. Um, Just to start things off, I'm going to just start up with manufacturers again um last podcast we had jeff young on and he had talked about he's designing some bowling balls and stuff like that so my question to you guys is um do you feel that there's more room for uh more ball manufacturers than what we already have if jeff young would be the third one would there be more room for Uh, more manufacturers bring in competition maybe drive bowling ball prices down to go along with that do you think manufacturers would maybe even start contracting like an adam weber for epco to promote star lines in videos and stuff like that to help promote the sale of them what are your guys' thoughts
1: i think there's always room for more manufacturers for sure as long as they're starting to come out with, you know, new ideas all the time. And I think that's the great thing with Jeff is Jeff seems to have endless ideas based on the conversations I had with him at TBC. As long as there's room and as long as there's, you know, new ideas coming out, I, I can't see how it would ever be a bad thing. I think having more manufacturers would force people to be more innovative, you know, maybe push the technology a little bit forward, because that's something we've really missed for a long time forever.
2: Yeah. Uh, you know what? To be honest with you, I... I think there's a couple more spots open, I think. Epico kind of has the uh, the monopoly of it. You really think about it. Softroll has a piece of it, but I think there's a lot more we, that somebody else can offer. I, I, I think, honestly, if you look at bowling balls, I mean, going back six, seven years, retail was going for $55 a ball for a paramount. Now it's $100. So you know, with, with Bufa being the only Canadian real distributor i mean you have some local ones you have all-star out there and helps out with that kind of stuff but really there isn't a whole lot to uh, drive that market down and you and honestly we've noticed sales go down from it right i mean people want they're, they're more tempted to maybe buy a pair of shoes a lot because they're cheaper than a pair of a set of balloon balls or a second set i guess the second set the big one
3: when it comes to say promoting the game promoting the balls and whatnot. A couple of years ago, actually, we had our Open Provincials. Ray Mohammed had roll actually, like, in his haircut, in his hair. So, I mean, for the most part, they don't really have a promotion or they don't have people out there promoting their their product. I mean, you won't hear, say, Adam, you know, promoting the Starline and promoting it all the time. He just does that because he likes Starlines. Starline doesn't pay him. Epco doesn't pay him. I mean, why don't companies go to certain Of the top players and try to get them to promote that ball, promote that product, promote the shoes. I mean, we know we see it on the shoe side of ten pin, but I mean, in Canada, we were talking. I know you, Carrie, you said that last time was it was just such a small market base compared to
1: the states. But I mean, what is stopping it from being over here in Canada, right? I guess the the uh, the thing is is like the small ball market. Epco doesn't really step in on the ten pin ten pin side of it at all, right? It, it is all no. the small ball market. So if we can start, you know, putting some more companies in, and maybe flood the market a little bit with, with different companies that are producing similar balls or, or better balls than what Epco's been doing, maybe it'll actually force everybody to actually start doing some promotion or sponsorship programs, which is something, again, we, we, we've never had. And we have tried and pushed different companies to try to do stuff, and they just they have no interest. So maybe maybe by having new producers come out, Maybe that's the time that uh, that they actually start promoting their stuff.
2: No offense, but does any of our distributors or our, our ball manufacturers, other than maybe Softroll, Noah Mitch Davies, Adam Weber, Kerry Kreitz, Dexter Wiseman, none of them do. And do do they do you think they care? No, absolutely they don't care at all because Epco and those ones, they're, they are doing got the market. They're gonna they, they'll still get the sales no matter what at the end of the day. You go talk to somebody from maybe from Bufa and stuff like that. They might know a couple of people, but they don't know the length of who to talk to or who who's the top of what. Because at the end of the day, they're still selling balls, right? Well,
3: yeah, I agree with you in a sense there, Tim. But I mean, say you're Adam or myself or whatever. I'll be known really well on the east side, <laughs> right? I'll be really known pretty much across southern Ontario, where Adam would be known really, really well in Alberta, central Alberta. For sure, you got a lot. You got a lot of marketplace there. If you can grab, like, say, a whole province trying to grab trying to gain all your stuff i mean that could be beneficial but i do hear what you're saying either way they're going to get our money right and i push mm-hmm. off roll i mean i'll be honest with you when it comes to phipps and his products he makes really good products he already had that established marketplace he's already going to get our money he's just coming up mm-hmm. with different colors and and different balls just to show something different for the youth and maybe he just his standard customer
1: yeah yeah i think that maybe this is kind of where I, again with us doing the wcbt stop and and the videos online, uh, online at least, uh, at least with that, may, maybe when it comes time to, to promote and sponsor, at least, uh, at least they'll have people they can start with. I mean, they'll know that these are the people that are at the highest level of the game. You know, at, at least, at least it'll be a place to start.
4: Hey, every week uh, on this this podcast, we keep talking about uh, the bowling balls, and quite, quite honestly, I didn't know there was another one other than Starline. So this is kind of fun <laughs> for me. Uh-huh. Oh my <laughs> my
0: Quite <laughs> but, but, but honestly, there,
4: there's, there's always room for, for more manufacturers. It's all supply and demand, right? And uh, like, like Tim was saying, you know, prices keep going up on balls, and they, they'll continue to keep going up, especially when there's not uh, as much demand out there for them. You know, one thing that, uh, that I seem to, to see at, at most of these centres now, is that the house balls have been upgraded also, right? Back in the day, the, uh, all, all the old school house balls were just garbage, right? So everybody had to go buy a new set. Uh, so so I think that's really changed uh, the the wave of the game. And uh, yeah, the the promotion. Right? i've I've never seen any of these manufacturers at any of these big events, right? Uh, they they could very easily be promoting the the Western Canadian yeah tour in in itself, and where are they? Nowhere to be seen, right? so I, I definitely think there's always room for growth.
3: So in Ontario, um, at our open provincials every year, uh, Steve Phipps comes out and he has a he has a setup a shop per se and he'll have like say 15 balls on display and then he sells them at a standard price and it's usually 75 dollars a ball 150 percent and he'll engrave them right there and then for you and he does that at the year end for masters as well uh, i don't know if he still does it or not anymore but he did it when it was at sherwood and the open provincials every year he'd go to that but yeah exactly where you're out west where's your basis on that where's your where's your connection Where's someone going out there and showing at that center? Because I know damn well that people would go out there and buy a new set of bowling balls when they're <laughs> when they're frustrated or bowling bad or whatever. They're gonna go buy a new set.
0: Well, yeah, yeah that's uh, something even Regina has done. They've done like a mystery box where they'll they'll have old stock. They'll bring it out in a box and they'll sell it for a hundred bucks. And sure enough, people buy the the mystery boxes. They don't even care what's inside. They just buy the box, right? So for a manufacturer to show up, set up shop, and show new product that they're rolling out, they would gain tons of interest and they'd get lots of pre-order and stuff like that. It's, I think it's a missed opportunity and uh, I'm really disappointed in the manufacturer's s- spot in our sport. It's, uh, it's pretty brutal.
1: They've shown up one year at TPC, back when I was in Collingwood, I do remember that. Um, but I think that's the only time I've ever seen it happen. I mean, even, hmm. even going to Bowl Canada conferences where they have the trade shows, um, the trade shows are gone now because, I mean, they stopped showing up too. Like, there were oh. no manufacturers at the Bowl Canada trade shows.
4: Yeah, no, no. We, we brought this up a few times before also. Like, it, it, there, there's still not enough uh, information out there of what these balls do. Right? So if you're not going to have the manufacturers on site at these major tournaments and promoting what these balls are supposed to be doing and really give that uh, that educational side to the, uh, the the players at these events, uh, how can we spread the word to others who are also looking, right? Yeah,
0: yeah um, I'm probably going to draw a little parallel between this. So I follow disc golf quite a bit. They're, it's a young oh. sport. One of the manufacturers just signed a person for over a million dollars. So he
2: just skipped sides, yeah.
0: Yeah, he moved from one manufacturer to another. But really, if sport can do that, what is happening in our sport that the manufacturers aren't doing to help promote it, right? Like, Discraft was a huge thing um, back in the day because they were part of, I forget what it's called, it's the Frisbee football. Ultimate Frisbee. Ultimate Frisbee, yeah. yeah. So that's where they first originated and then disc golf started growing and then they jumped into that market, right? So for them to jump into that market and then sign a huge player like that, he's rated number one in the world right now, stuff like that. A million dollars over four years. That's pretty crazy for a sport that is not on television. Mm
4: -hmm.
0: Like that's all social media. There's no television rights anywhere.
2: Yeah i do follow it i think it's pretty cool to watch right so yeah
0: yeah. i don't necessarily follow
3: it but on instagram i follow a guy named brody uh yeah brody smith brody smith right and i follow him his trick shots all the time and i mean like why don't we have someone maybe doing that on instagram too right like just using social media
0: platforms as well right yeah brody smith was a huge uh frisbee player back in the day i played college and stuff like that so (laughs) Damn
1: straight, Mitch. I love it. Let's start doing some uh, trick shot videos. <laughs> I'm not even joking. I, 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 heard, <laughs> I, heard, I, heard,
2: I heard Jeff Young does really good ones in the middle of the YBC. That's what he told me. He does, he does trick shots. Whether they turn out or good oh, or bad, no, he does. He, he, he does he some
3: pretty cool ones, actually. I've seen him do the yeah. towel one. First yeah. time I've ever seen someone do the towel with a python ball. Like, I feel like that would be super tough.
0: Tom Stevenson uh, does it, or, too. Right, it. Oh, yeah? Yeah, Tom Stevenson done it a couple times, too, I've seen. No. Easier than you would think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For a guy who could throw
3: a strike standing on his head, I'm sorry.
2: <laughs> we uh, we when I've been down to conferences, I actually actually had a chance to talk to Dexter a little bit and, and Storm and those guys. And I, I'll be honest, with you with with Dexter and Shu, uh, it doesn't. Uh, they didn't give to did Didn't care about us by any means. Uh, we talked about the Canadian game, talked about maybe what we're doing with the sport and how we're progressing it. And they didn't even bat an eye, to be honest with you, because, yeah, we, we've had the, the problems with the shoes and, you know, how people go with their own shoes now. And, yeah. and they, they're, they're, they're not worried about us. No, they're such a small market base, right?
3: I mean, like when it comes down to it, like, so you were saying last podcast too, Tim, and I I follow it guys. I I listen every time it comes out on Thursday. I'm there. I'm listening to it right away. Uh, Tim, you were saying about the shoes being sold out of a, out of your bowling alley. I actually drive about 45 minutes from my house is the Niagara Falls, Buffalo border. And we have, they have a bowling store over there called the national bowling store. And I go buy my Dexter tanks there that they have in massive supply at just a little tiny house. It's just a little tiny house that they have. The The floor itself is a bowling lane. It gets bowling lanes all over the whole floor. And you walk in and uh, you buy shoes. You try them on right there. Like, I don't know about the bowling alley, but I know at my bowling alleys, I've always had to order the shoes. And then if the size is wrong, I have to send it back and get new ones and everything like that. But, yeah, the, the price is ridiculous. And it's just, it's just crazy because, you know – the boy or the manufacturer has to make their money. You know mm-hmm. that there's a USA Canadian dollar exchange, you know, Buffa or used to be Boeing sales had to make their money. And then, you know, the boy, it's a business. You have to make them, you have to make a profit as well. So you got like four people there or four, like three people for sure. And, and then your Canadian exchange having to make money. And yeah. so it just gets so diluted where you're paying three, $400 for shoes for my tanks. I pay a hundred bucks.
2: Yeah. You know,
4: and <laughs> It's crazy It's crazy yeah it makes no sense yeah the pr- pricing's crazy and uh, I, I know a lot of people end up purchasing their shoes on you know eBay or uh, yeah. any of those sites uh, just because yeah pricing up in Canada is ridiculous and like oh. you said you got to go through so many middlemen that uh, yeah if you can get it direct from the source and save yourself you know 4050 percent you have to
1: there there is another distributor that uh, out of well, Washington, but uh, and they have a they have a drop shipping system worked out in in Vancouver where they ship everything that's going up for Canada orders on one pallet through to Vancouver and they pay the delivery and the duty and all that stuff uh, on that <laughs> and then and then we have to pay for the shipment from there out. They've given Canadian bowling allies a pretty decent discount if you can get in and talk to them about it, but. It's uh, it's just a, a little bit more complicated to get into, I guess. We just we just need a, an, another distributor somewhere, whether it be Vancouver or somewhere else Western Canada, mm-hmm. needs something. I mean, we do have Shelby for bowling balls, but I mean, I don't know. We need something for shoes. We have nothing for shoes.
0: Yeah, I think I think what's really going to drive it is if like Jeff gets this bowling ball thing going on, and then I'd hate to say it, even somebody out west starts something and help drive um, attention back to the manufacturers and it'll keep prices down low, keep them competitive. And maybe you get, maybe the small guys that start this up become a part of the sport and really show that the manufacturers can be a part of it and promote it as well. Right. Instead of just, I, I doubt they're making lots of money off of this. I really do, but they've Mm -hmm. laid back since the, you can buy a set of bowling balls that lasts you a lifetime. Like as we know, Adam Weber throws the same star lines he's thrown forever. And it sucks because you're not going to make money on a renewable product if it's not renewable, right? So I understand the manufacturer's um, problem, but there's got to be a workaround. There has to be.
1: I think what we need to do is we need to find a bowling ball that's way better than all the rest and deteriorates. So it just, uh-huh. it has something that's like really does score super well, but breaks down.
3: Yeah, well, and and if, we, if we
1: can do that, then
3: make an inferior product.
1: <laughs> well, if, right. If it scores if better, better though, one that's better than the rest, but it does break down, the people are going to be forced to buy them all the time. Well, that is how Tempin works,
0: right? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. But a lot of their breakdown is due to the asymmetric cores inside of them, right? They're they're built lopsided, so they. Make the turn, turn easier. And then just the, the amount of stress on that side of the ball, the ball just eventually breaks down cracks.
1: Wh- right? Why can't we do that in five pin two? Well, oh, that's what I think Jeff's trying to do. Right? Make an asymmetri- asymmetrical ball. I well,
0: think that'd, that'd be
1: really ball.
3: interesting. I know I've had oh. conversations with him about it. And I mean, last week you guys had him on there for sure. But he has talked about making unlevel balls and making it so that he can have different hardnesses and on each side of the ball and how you throw it. So that... And so that way you know, oh, okay, now I need to throw the ball like this for the center. Or, you know, I need the ball, I want the ball to break like this, so I need to hold it like this. And mm-hmm. and this is this is how he's trying to make the game different, I believe. Mm-hmm. And like he's Absolutely. doing a good job and I hope I hope it does work out for him. The market to me, it seems it seems like it's too small. But I hope I hope that it works for him and I cuz I know I'll be the first one there testing out the balls. Like, I know I will be, and he's talked okay. to me already about it, and I'll be the first one in line to buy the ball. I hope that it works out for him, and I'll push it the best I can.
1: See, I, I, I just keep picturing, you know, the old, uh, the old scorpion balls I, yeah. I keep, uh, uh, that are like one color on one side and one color on the other. Like Paramount, Paramount Racers. Racers. Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry, the <laughs> Paramount Okay, something like that. I mean, in, in lawn bowling, there's a bias on a bowling ball right Mm -hmm. and you could do the same thing with it you know the red side is the side it moves to the black side and it doesn't right yeah i think that'd be really interesting because you know i'm sure if you can if you can find a ball that's going to break at the right point for you for the oil um and maybe this is maybe this is the solution to the synthetic lanes being oiled so heavily that we can't get a break maybe this is the what will actually drive us to get a little bit of movement on the balls for the, for the the people that play out west and don't throw bricks like the people out east, there, Mitch. Um,
0: <laughs>
1: but you know, it, it might it might make the spare game a little bit interesting too. You yeah, know? we don't all, all play in easy centers, so <laughs> <laughs> all of a sudden, you know, your spare shots for splits and head pins, if you have a ball like that, they may be more feasible. You know, definitely. So, I I think there's a market. I think I think it'd be really interesting to try.
4: Mm -hmm. It'd it'd be so different on the strike shot, right? Since we we don't play that type of angle into the pocket (laughs) like we do in ten pin. Mm -hmm. So I I I, I'm not sure if there's a benefit or not to having that asymmetrical, right? You you might just start burying corner after corner. Like I I don't think until we can actually test it. uh, I don't know what that deflection is going to be. Right, but you may
1: really limit head pins too. Could. It if, could yeah, be can, up a up the ball.
4: Right.
1: Or, oh yeah, it'd, be, it'd be interesting.
4: Yeah. Okay, so But again, you, you need though. the educational promotion of it, right? And exactly. you, you need people to show that testing and what that ball supposed to do.
3: I'm, I mean, I imagine it's going to be really hard for Jeff to get a ball that on one side might weigh 3.75 and one side weighs 3.12. Okay, like, I mean, when we're trying to, like, gauge that to get it to turn, and then all at the same time, it has to be able to weigh 312 and stay under it, right? Like, it still has to be under certain diameters and certain weights. Now, the only thing is, though, like, I know in Duckpin, they do this. Every time I go to a tournament Duckpin, they weigh your ball. They put your ball through a ring. So, I mean, like, maybe one side it might be over. The other side it might be under. Who knows, right? But in 5-pin, they don't ever weigh that. So, I mean, I could go out there with a 314 ball or whatever, and no one's ever going to know. Or, like, four-pound four, four pound whatever ball, oh, right? No, one, I, no one's ever going to know. I'm going to measure your ball
2: now. <laughs>
3: we. There's got to be a way to have that,
1: and like with the technology we have these days, there has to be. For
2: sure, right? So
1: yeah. I think I think you'd have to design the ball in like basically three steps. You'd have like your left side, you'd have your right side, you'd put them together, and then you'd have a coating around the outside.
0: Mm-hmm. So you'd have
1: your heavy part, your your lighter part, and then a a consistent coating around the outside. Yeah, cover uh, stock. Yeah, I think it's
0: I... doable.
3: I think it'd be pretty cool too. Like, I mean, if, if we could ever figure it out where it might be the tipping point too between players being 230 and being 250. I mean, it could be, right? If they make that equipment that much easier for them to use, like we've already done it with the pins, we've done it with the bases, we've done it with the bands, we've done it with a whole bunch of different things to make the game better scoring, not easier, but better scoring. Um, I think if it could work like that for balls and you can make those players, they'll be way more interested in the game. They'll be willing to spend their money to play tournaments. They'll be willing to spend their money on more equipment. They'll be way more invested. In, your centers are going to benefit because they're going to want to play two leagues because they're happy now, right? They're, they're showing up every week. Scores are through the roof. They're going to want
1: to just keep coming. So I hope that could be a, a positive factor. I also like the fact that if the, if this does work and it does end up being a way of increasing scores, it's a way of increasing scores while still maintaining the scale with it because mm-hmm. it's a, it's a, it's going to be a learned skill. It'll be, to be an education, and and it'd be something that you would have to practice and figure out to benefit from. it. Because if you don't, you're screwed. But if you if you practice and you figure it out, then you benefit from it. I I like that as a skill point over you know just moving the pins together and, and making it easier. Imagine throwing the ball one one side backs up, the other side hooks, and you hold on to the wrong side.
3: And <laughs> just gone.
1: <laughs> like I said, lawn bowling has a bias. You just you just roll the ball end over end. And it has a bias, so it'll start moving to that side,
0: right? Mm-hmm.
1: So if, if even if you, have, if you have the ball and you have it weighted on the one side and you roll it end over end, it's still got to move that way. So that's why I'm saying have the ball split in half, two different colors so you know which side to put it to. And you know what? I did it in lawn bowling, and, and people did it all the time where you would accidentally use the wrong bias and away it goes. And then everyone's was like, ah! Oh! <laughs> <laughs> and, and then you move on. So we might see more strikes. We might see more gutters. I think it's pretty kid, cool, though. The game might be more yeah. entertaining. <laughs> all
4: right. Now, all right could, like could, could you see any any, any other issues? Uh, I know they they have some novelty balls out there, right? The, the flag balls and the sports balls, where it, that that little center line doesn't matter how it comes down. All of a sudden, it naturally centers itself out. Right? Could could that be a potential issue of that that asymmetric though? Because I, I don't I don't think those can be possibly legal in our game. But I, I know they're thrown all the time.
1: They are certified. Oh, yeah. But but they're they're they, they're certified and they say that they're fine. But I mean, clearly the density of the chunk of wood in the middle is completely different from the acrylic. <laughs> so it's, it's it's nowhere close. It always ends up run, rolling end over end. Um, I don't think. I think you'll see the same effect with it, though, because it's weighted down the center. You know what I mean? Whereas uh, we're, I, I think with what we're talking about, it'd be, it'd be like uh, a denser chunk to one side. Right. Uh, so right. down the middle.
0: I have a question about that, Dexter. So in lawn bowling, you obviously don't try and hook it, right? The ball's bias does the movement for you, right? So you try and roll yeah. it end over end. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So you might be taking away a little bit of the skill, of the guys that play... A spin, right? Now all of a sudden you're you're moving to rely on the product more than you are the I guess the technique. I guess. Right.
1: And and I, I totally agree, but it is a little bit different with lawn bowling. Lawn bowling it, it's it's uh it's got a bias because the ball is actually oblong. Whereas this, if you got a weight in one side, somebody like you who has like a super high rev rate, uh, you're just gonna see that rev rate skyrocket, obviously. No no different than what, what would happen in 10 pin really. Right. right, right, So, a, a little bit different. I, 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 think if you if you rolled in a end you would get movement, but uh, I, I don't know. I don't know if you'd see the same benefit. You, you well, would, we wouldn't. You, we would know you, until we tried.
0: Yeah, you would have to. I think you'd still have to add some spin to it, right? You, you just couldn't rely on the end over end. You might get a small amount of movement, but not nearly what you're looking for, probably. Do you,
2: do you ma- imagine somebody like going back? Yeah. Yeah. No <laughs> doubt. just snapping.
4: Left ditch, left ditch. (laughs) I think it it might actually become more of a skill game at that point, right? In in lawn bowling, everything's about touch, right? And uh, you just have to let it die in. That that actually may become more of like a a roll game or that end-over-end fingers type game and then naturally have it cross into the pocket. Yeah, I I think it's a totally different side of it. Still got to put it there. Yeah, exactly. of course.
0: Yeah. So all you uh, ball manufacturers listening, get on it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Jeff. You're inspiring me.
2: <laughs> we had the uh, Bowl Alberta or I guess Bowl Canada Youth Accelerated Singles, Provincials, which is the championship, which is formerly the four steps. I guess they had pretty good numbers. On Alberta, We had, for us, we had like I think 65 or 60-something for the Bantams. I showed up boys and girls over 80 for both the juniors and seniors just want to know how you guys feel like I'm impartial on this thing but how do you guys feel about doing accelerated singles and not going through the zone realm you can just sign up and go and get it over with there is like it's you're in a field of like 60 people right And you're 50, 40 right how do you guys feel about it
0: so I actually got some insight on this Tim um, mm-hmm. I know some of the parents that had children in some of the different divisions. Right. I think the accelerated thing is a great idea because they still get to play for teams after, right? If they don't right. play the single. The only downside I heard is all these different groups were playing in different centers. So you had Bantams playing one center, juniors playing another, seniors playing in another. The juniors were oh. still playing six games. Am I not wrong?
2: Bantams were too, yeah.
0: The Bantams got pretty tired, I heard. Yeah, that I, that's something that should have been looked at. I I feel from my point of view you you have a bantam that's usually playing two games, maybe three if they're if they're really good. Six games, that's a killer in one day. That's a lot of games for a kid that probably plays with two hands. Some play with one. Like that's a, that's a lot of bowling and I I did hear some insight that 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 wasn't a good part of it, but they enjoyed how many people were there, and the competitive side of it? They really enjoyed that. It was just way too much for such a young group. The uh, the
2: numbers the, the numbers that we have, uh, I believe that have tried to if you take the zones in Alberta, and you figure out how many people play the zone level, and then now how many people play accelerated. There's more. So in that aspect, it, it is a bonus, right? I just it, yeah, it's just I, I guess it's a different feel, right? I have actually haven't watched it, so I haven't seen the feel, right? It's I, I think it's probably just no different in a regular qualifying, right? And then they go into a step ladder, right? I guess it, it is there is a bonus to it. I mean, yeah, you can you know if you're gonna make it or not, and you can just play your singles, right? But I mean, it's any I guess it's no no different any
1: given day, right? I I think the, the six games is a lot for the bantams, for sure. But that being said, I think. At the end of the day, you're still trying to find the person that's going to compete the best at nationals, mm-hmm. right? And at nationals, that's what they do. They play at least six games a day. Six games. Uh, is it is it six nine six still?
2: They changed it all together now.
1: They, they did, they, but there's I mean, there's still, there's
2: trios, still, there's a, everything now.
1: Yeah, but they still play like eighteen games in, mm-hmm. yeah.
2: So.
4: It was never six consecutive games, though. Right there was always was a break a in between.
1: Well, yeah, three right? games, three ga- Yeah, but uh, well, I, you know, I never competed at nationals as a single. I don't. You'd you usually a go in blocks,
4: there. right? Yeah, there's buys and uh, like uh, the, the, there's also the the step involved in this also, right? So George, it's, it's quite games, quite maybe. possible you you could play eight games if you're third place qualifier, right?
0: You could play nine because yeah, it was a double knockout from for the top right. player. Right.
4: Oh, so even but yeah, nine nine games as a as a eight year old, nine year
1: old.
0: Yeah, I don't think you're getting the best player out of that. I think you're getting a person that didn't fatigue. <laughs> I think. But back to yeah.
1: nutrition talk, yeah. Mitch. Uh, when when you lost to Derek at Nationals, um, <laughs> how many games did you guys play in today? I think
3: Honestly, <laughs> like eleven years ago, man. <laughs> um, <laughs>
1: I don't and really usually, care. it
3: was just worth the shot. <laughs> uh, no, I don't. I don't remember. I think. I think we played seven. I think you played twenty-one games, and you played seven each day. It was like masters. Okay. I'm pretty sure that's that. how it. But we did take breaks every day. I remember that we had lunches at Bonnie Dune uh, every day.
0: Yeah, and yeah, and this okay. was their this was their first try at it, from my understanding, as well, right? So, oh, second try.
2: Yeah, this is the second year,
0: and they didn't have any. Um, feedback last year about six games for Bantams. Uh, I actually think it was five. I think it was five last year. Okay.
2: So they actually upped it up a game, and they didn't have now the one of the feedbacks they had was first place a qualifying shouldn't just win. So they actually did a step ladder this right. year, which I'm not opposed to in, in that aspect, right? The no. um, double knockout I think is fair. But yeah, so they actually went more. To be honest with you, they actually added also on this, they actually added pins over average. You can't go nationals,
0: but you get to be part of pins over average with this.
2: So you can set up
0: as uh, both. So that was an added event inside this event.
2: Right, so you you could actually have a first year bowler that maybe bowls between the legs, right, and average is sixty. You can have them play, right, right. because there's a the pins over average side to it as well.
0: No, I, I think that's good. That adds them Which to the fine, competition, yeah. right? I think that's that's a great feature. Yeah. What was their reward system, Tim?
4: What was their uh,
2: financial reward, or you just get you get a banner in the center and a medals, right? I mean, it's. I mean, they know full. I think fully ahead of time that uh, that uh, you're not going to go to nationals with it, right? So you're you're prepared, right? Most of them are playing. I guess you can say double dipping They go both sides. Through you're there, you're, you're going to be playing the other side too, right? So right. good. But they did. I don't. I don't know. I don't know if they did the step ladder. I'll be honest with you. I don't. I don't think they did. I think they just did the uh, did the, whatever the tolls were. What do you guys do in Ontario, Mitch?
3: Um, we do it the same way. They have the house round. And, but, but for singles, this year it was something weird, actually, though. I noticed there was two kids in my zone that are in YBC still, and they can play the Open. And so in August, they came out with a schedule, and I had never seen it yet. And this kid messages me and says, um, I really want to bowl the Open this year, but uh, I think they have singles on this day. I go, oh, that's the zones. Like I'm like, okay, before this happened a couple of years ago, the zone happened on that day for our open qualifying. So I had to, I told the kid to go to another zone so he could play both. Well, no, he told me the provincials got moved to the first weekend in December, and I'm like, "Oh, that makes no sense to me why they did that." But one organization doesn't really talk to the other, so um, they put their provincials on that day. So they ended up going collabing together and said they're only going to play doubles. So that way they could both try out for the open, and they did a mm. did a good job on each other, right? But yeah, no, for the most part, it's still the same way. It's uh, zones, then mm. you have provincials, and then if you didn't make provincials for singles, you could bowl the doubles together. Yeah, okay. But now there, ours works differently, right? Because one every year it's in like say Ottawa or or Hamilton or Brantford. Like I think it only goes between three spots. Uh, but you could technically have. Kids playing in Ottawa and then kids playing in Hamilton. So, I mean, that would really suck for certain parents, wouldn't
0: it? Yeah, yeah, yeah no doubt. Yeah, quite travel.
3: Yeah, it's like five hours away. So, I mean, huh. I don't know how well, they do these things, but they do it. Yeah, but if you're a single parent, yeah, you're screwed. You have to pretty much just hand your kid off to someone else.
2: That's, that's how it goes. I
3: mean, that's really yeah, what they do. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah. I just I just agree with it, obviously some of the things that they do right
4: yeah sure all right well well, i guess while we're on the the topic of youth a little bit and mitch made a good point where uh some of the ybc have a chance to to play in the open uh what are your guys thoughts on the youth being able to play both adult and youth events in the same season
2: i don't have a problem with it Uh, i wish there was I, honestly, I, I, I think the year extra in YBC is useless, mm-hmm. in my personal opinion, right? I think it's just another year to keep him in the center. But realistically, the amount of people that only stick around just for the championships or formally the four steps is the only reason why they're in it. You, we see a lot of the kids, once their last year hits and it's, you know, oh, I didn't make, uh, didn't make nationals, you never see them again in February. But on our end, like, we're, we're pretty happy. I mean, we've been pretty fortunate we get to play with Brad for a year in YBC and a couple other ones out there. And I know Jen, Jen Baker won both, I think, uh, Nationals the same year when she was in YBC because she had the extra year with Masters and, uh, in the Open with that. So uh, I, I have real no real issue with it. I think it's just a little bit awkward, to be honest with you, just on, on,
1: on how it looks, right, on paper, I think I think one small benefit from it would be, you know, there's a lot of kids that come out of YBC that are like, you know, 220 average bowlers, 220 maybe pushing 230 average bowlers. And at least it gives them the opportunity to try out for the Open, whether they make it or not, um, and see what it's like and, and see what even qualifying is like and the skill level required for that, but still have the opportunity to go back to their youth tournament and, and and gained a little bit of confidence back from that because you don't want to see them go into the open get crushed and then be like well i'm never doing this again you know at least at least it gives them a little bit of exposure and maybe maybe the opportunity to maintain a, a little bit of confidence playing with the uh, playing with the kids too
3: i mean i personally don't mind them playing uh, being in both. like pac did what they did and i mean there was one girl uh last year that she was she's still in YBC or she was still in YBC. She came from Ottawa and I don't know how school is your way. Like as far as Alberta, like if they're moving away for school all the time, or if they're staying in Edmonton or if they're staying in Calgary or whatnot, for the most part, but we had a girl come from Ottawa and she moved to Hamilton and she would have never played our leagues or played the open. If it wasn't for being in YBC still, she happened to meet one of my friends, Dave, uh, Dave Berkby, and he introduced her to come into the league. So she ended up joining our league and now she's in another league in Hamilton and she bowls the open and, She's right into it now, because she had that extra year. She wouldn't
2: have, she wouldn't have had that extra year. She probably would have just quit bowling altogether. Uh, I don't know. I, I I agree with you on that, Mitch. And I also think it's the right place, right time as well. We we, we I think we're a fortune in Alberta that we and, and you know I think Alberta I can say, uh, especially in the three major zones that we really push our youth into the right direction. Right. You can see a lot of kids down in Red Deer get pushed in the right direction, Edmonton as well. And if we see somebody in Calgary, they, they sure. Try to help that out too, right? So, I I I really think for us out here, I'm maybe a little bit different on view on it. I I think we already know what kids are should be exposed to the next level. Uh, At least I do. I I look at the kids and I say, okay, you know that kid really has the potential, or you know what spot they might need to get into to get to the next level. So I I really don't think the last year YBC for most of us, it really means a lot out here in that aspect it, where we really should be looking when they're once maybe 14, 15, 16, that area before they get up to that age.
0: Mm-hmm. Grooming
2: them already for the next level, right?
3: Yeah, you guys are really lucky, I mean, in Alberta for sure. Like, I, when we go to play the $1,000 event at the TPC, you mm-hmm. have the, uh, the youth clinic right before it. You had like 35 kids. I mean... That's thirty-five kids, just that are from basically the Edmonton area. Maybe a couple coming from Red Deer. Maybe I think there was one from uh, Saskatchewan. Even I think came right Tim. Uh, actually, honestly, all from Edmonton area. Okay, so they they were all from Edmonton area. That's pure Edmonton. We get like sixty-five kids to come to our bowling school in from from Ontario. So from all mm-hmm. of Ontario, you get sixty-five kids to go to a whole bowling class, uh, like instruction for four days, like you guys have in Saskatchewan. But th- that's. That's how it, that's how it works here, right? I mean, it's not the same size, it's not the same scale. So you guys are really lucky to have those kids and the talent level that they're at. That's so young, they stay with the game. And I mean, here they're they're just they're just not. Right. To
2: be so we honest, try to get, like, yeah. Go we ahead Try ahead. to
3: get them involved Sorry. best we can. We try to get them be- involved best we can. Like, I, there's a lot of kids now that are playing our league on Thursdays that stay involved because we make the game fun. Like we talk about the game, we talk, and we're young and involving, right? So we can. I can have that interaction with them, as opposed to when I was younger, um, maybe, you know, there was maybe a handful of people under 30, you know, and so Mm -hmm. you have that kind of involvement, that kind of interaction. And now they come to our leagues, and they're bowling all as teams, like you bring your own team in, and it's a handicap league, but it's competitive, right? So they're Mm -hmm. coming in with their friends, and their friends stay with it, even though they're in their last year YBC or just coming
2: out, they're staying with it because they're bowling with their friends, right? Yeah. I, I think and honestly in Alberta I think what we're really lacking is uh, a development. Actually, it's silly as it's saying, but we lack a developmental program out here. Uh, a lot of our devel- developmental people are, are, are just our casual players that played through league and we know them, or maybe part of an association and bring them forward. Not nothing, nothing against our local, you know, volunteers and, and master players that help out over their leagues, but most of them are just you know. They don't take the kids to the next level, right? Our, our youth bowling school in Alberta, I think needs maybe a look after, maybe a revamp because most of our kids because most of our kids are going to Saskatoon, right? For their school. I mean, they're not even staying in our own province. So I, I think uh, I think maybe the the five or five or ten percentile they give back to the kids, I think that's what's really driving us out in Alberta. I think we can do a re- way better job. But I think our developmental has to get better with that aspect, to be honest with
0: you. I think that's a testament to what Tom Patterson has done in Saskatoon, though. That's not a, that's not a detriment, right? He, he's pushed that bowling school to what it is. So I, I can't fault our kids for going out to Saskatoon and going and learning out there with him, right? When you, no, when no. you know the history of the school itself, it uh, seems like a no-brainer if you have the opportunity well, to go there
2: to be honest with you carrie i mean dex and i've been fortunate to ask we've been there as kids and we've been fortunate to have come back and help out as instructors i i think just the whole layout's a lot different right they're there to bowl they're there to work they're there to do drills they're learn, like it's it's a it's a lot of meat and potatoes right and they're expected to work at it for your eight or ten hours alberta's a little structure a little bit differently as in it's more of a camp they say it's a school but i think it's more of a camp you go there for a few hours you hang out, have lunch with the kids, and you go to Callaway Park or Westman and Mall. You nothing against the the, the other players, uh, the other coaches that go out there, but there is no, you know, there is no Genos are been out there or you know Lynn Howells or or stuff like that. It's just your average community coach out there, and I don't think they have anything to to push the, the bowlers to the next level, and, and like Tom does.
0: Yeah, so to I guess um build on that where where is the invites from this school to the players that are should be doing this there, stuff
1: there aren't any that's the problem see tom patterson has been always very good at approaching the people that should be there whereas alberta's really ha- has dropped the ball on that in a lot of aspects where they they solely rely on messages
0: yeah people right. it, and it, it's they all they want to do it so, yeah. yeah yeah see They've i been... I still have no clue when this when this whole thing happens <laughs> right like and not to say I should be invited to this stuff, but I've been around the game a long time, and I have never seen an invite from any bowling schools no nothing so i I just feel like and maybe I should be more on the ball and trying to find this information out and trying to lend a hand at all this stuff but it'd be nice to know when this stuff is going on where's the newsletters where's the where's this all this information it's it's hard to find if you're not if you're not geared well, to look for it right to, to be
2: honest with you we just get we just get a pamphlet in the mail at right and for for you guys out there you're not going to be refreshing the bull Alberta website every day to look for this new updated information right
4: nope. <laughs> right
2: let's be honest with it right um and and there's a lack of social media. There's nothing on there, right? So a lot of our stuff out here, if we want to pass information across, we, we promote it on social media, not through, uh, not through the snail mail channels, right? Well, it's
0: more word of mouth than anything. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I honestly,
2: I've been part of the YBC program now since I was eight. And I can't even tell you when this information comes out, right? There's no step because, you know, you know, when open comes, you know, December is going to be the, the entry forms, you know, when this is coming on, this is come. There's nothing set at all on a proprietors' associations like that, right? It's whenever they get to have a chance to get around to it. And I think there has to be some deadlines with these things, and a little bit better promotion. Maybe uh,
1: all, yeah. of, uh, all of us talking about doing like, you know, our uh, instructional videos and stuff that we eventually want to get to. Maybe maybe that school is. I mean, that school or Saskatchewan school or whatever. Um, maybe maybe that's our our go to. Maybe that's our opportunity. That one of those places with the kids there, and we can discuss things with them too because that would be beneficial for the kids. It'd be beneficial for the sport. be beneficial for the school, and us to do the videos there. So maybe maybe that's something the that WCBT wants to, you know, or sorry WCBT or Five Pin Universe or whoever yeah. wants to, uh, you know, maybe maybe help out with if the opportunity is over there.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. I. Like I said, that's what uh, Five Pin Universe is here for—to start pushing this stuff, like starting a podcast, starting instructional videos, and maybe, maybe it's time to take it upon ourselves to start something that we're not seeing the associations really doing. It it so, needs to be it needs to be brought to the forefront, and it's it's hard to see other sports moving forward, and our sport has been stagnant.
2: pretty sad I I guess I guess for everybody looking to listen to our podcast which surprisingly I believe there's more than I thought there was maybe maybe you know direct message carry and 5 pin universe or something like that's with some ideas yeah right so how we can move this forward
1: or or maybe maybe we start our own 5 pin universe Bowling school (laughs) Sherman Park has a nice spot (laughs) I heard the lanes are
2: free
0: yeah
2: Yeah, well, they're free after Mike Kerber puts his money in, so we're good, yeah.
3: (laughs) It's pretty candy, too. It'll make it it easy for all the kids. Pretty candy. (laughs) A dark horse for your WCVT winner this year. A dark horse.
0: Like championship winner or player of the year?
3: Championship. Oh,
0: that's a good question. Let's go both. So, yeah, so
3: let's – I'll start it off here. I think – I know that, obviously, Adam has a very good start here at the player of the year for sure. (laughs) For sure. But if I had to go a dark horse for the player of the the year, I got to go with my buddy, Greg DeGrazia. I think he could definitely go off at any moment. He had a lot of talent when he was a lot younger. I mean, he's still there for sure. He could play at any given moment, and when he gets it going, he gets it going. But I'd take him for player of the year. And my dark horse to win the whole thing, WCBT Championship, I got to go with my stallion, a little horsey, Michael Wist.
2: Yeah, Michael. Yeah, that's a good one. yeah I nice love the way out. he yeah. plays
3: a match play. When he plays a match play, man, he bears down. You know, like qualifying, you see him. And he, yeah, you see him in qualifying. He's a little bit all over the place sometimes. But he, he gets the job done there for the most part. But when he gets into match play, man, he's tough. He's lights out, like locked in.
2: To be honest, with you, I actually haven't looked at the stats because I'm saying, man, I'm not even close.
4: Why am I looking at that graph? <laughs> <laughs> I already know where Adam
2: is. I know where, I know where Mitch is. Yeah.
4: Uh, <laughs> you definitely took my dark horse for for the tour championship. Uh, I, I think Mike is as good as anybody in match play. Huh. He just has to get there, number one, and uh, I he, he's well on his way. For I, I'd say my dark horse for the tour championship, uh, I I'd pick Mark Miller. Oh, that's a good one. See, I, mean, I was going there too. Yeah, he, that's, he's yeah. He, he's he's just so good. Once he gets into those matches, he he's already on the bubble to, to make the probably the projected you know tour cut.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. uh,
4: year over year, it's usually about one twenty. I think he's about 120, 130, something that range. So uh, if he sneaks in, he's, he's always going to be tough. And uh, I'd say for player of the year, and uh, not to boost his ego, but uh, no, honestly, I think Dex is playing as good as anybody right now. Oh, for so, sure. He's, uh, I don't know. He, he's he's a top three, top five player in Canada, in my opinion. And I got
1: one
4: uh, point. <laughs> and, and he's already got a win, right? So
0: yes, you did. You got one point.
4: <laughs>
1: one
2: point. Terry, <laughs> do you have the you have the top twelve by chance? On yeah, I, d-
0: I do. So uh, Adam Weber, Bradley Tiggott, yeah, Dexter, uh-huh. Lonnie Acres, Gary Barrett, mm-hmm. Matt Harms. Aaron Arndt, Mark Miller, Brett Hendrickson, Dwayne Gillardi, Taylor McCaw, Tyler and Mitch, uh, Tyler Ticket and Mitch Davies tied for
1: 12th. Gary's a guy that I can, I can see doing it too, uh, hmm. get, for, for sure. Um, as long as he stays in the right headspace, that guy mm. throws strikes for days. Yeah, um, he, he's he's got one of the biggest strikes I've ever seen and I think it's because he throws those little light dinky balls that just uh, deflect so damn much and he just doesn't seem to punch uh, I I see just so many so many cracker strikes with him so if he gets rolling and considering the fact that he plays in Heritage on a regular basis I think that's that's a benefit for him too so I would, um, I would pick him as my dark horse for the tour championship for sure Okay, I, I got I got a couple here, okay? Sorry, Timmy, can I just say yeah. one thing here before yeah, for so
2: sure.
3: I don't sound like a so I don't sound like a total idiot here. Carrie, Greg Degrazia is one number below me and Tyler, correct? No. Am I, <laughs> am I that wrong? Uh,
0: Greg DeGrazia is tied for twenty sixth.
2: It's gonna be a big comeback. Yeah. Be a big comeback.
0: <laughs> <laughs> player of the year player I, I, of the year is a little <laughs> scary, but <laughs>
2: Do you know, uh to be honest okay so i'm actually going off the board too i think right um i, I think I, I player of the year i think honestly it's already pretty much there's there's four four to eight guys that have a chance for that right so um for me speaking uh squeaking in the top 12 i, I think there's two people i think got to look at depending on the next two events one's a real dark horse i think just if at all and honestly it's all because it depends on what he plays is shelby Mm. Shelby plays well at Heritage, right? If he plays well at Heritage, he gets in the top twelve. I think he's he can be pretty dynamite on on the, his own center, right? Shelby always plays well there. You watch him in the Mitsubishi. You watch him in the main event there. Yeah. He always plays really well there, and it's unfortunate because he plays well at the park. And if he played that, I think would have been okay. And I think honestly, you see how she plays in the rest of the two events. I think Jen Baker. I think you put, you put Jen in front of the lights, but I I think she I think she has a really good chance of winning that. So. Those are my two.
0: Hey, uh, Dex, You didn't mention a player of the year. I'll pick Mitch.
1: Without playing the first, I'll, without playing the first event, I'll pick Mitch. <laughs> I want to get back to Shelby. Uh, this this is not something I should openly admit, but out of everybody I play, he's he's one person that intimidates me bowling, and I don't know whether it's just it, it's his demeanor. Like hey, he's talking. so damn focused. He doesn't say a damn word to anybody. He just sits there and stares straight ahead. And, and throws nothing but strikes. I don't know. I love the guy, but like, he's in, he's in, he's intimidating on the lanes.
0: Yeah, I think it's a smile. I, you know what? Uh, Shelby has a lot of background in other professional sports, right? So, <laughs> Absolutely. Um, golf being the main one, I think it puts a lot of uh, he has a little bit extra going on, right? So, my dark horse for getting into the Tour Championship is going to be Victor Mm. I He's probably not playing Regina, but he plays well in Red Deer. If he gets in, I think Tour Championship is well within his sights. He's a pretty pretty tough match play player. And so player of the year, Dark Horse. I'm going to go with Lonnie Akers. He plays pretty good in Regina. That's a good one for
3: sure. And especially up that high he's just got right now, too. Like, yeah. he's going to be playing amazing. Watch. Come, Regina. He's like, I got it back now. He's going to he's gonna go off. How did it work for Dex? That I was just <laughs> going to say. <laughs> <laughs> he's
1: guaranteed one point. <laughs>
3: you know what? I'm going to go back there and change my pick, too. I'm going to say, Greg, I, I love you, but no, you got to go. Dwayne Gelardi, You know, that... I, Winnipeg players—they don't always get enough respect, and I gotta give them that too, for sure. But they, Dwayne throwing that 450, just going lights out all day on Sunday, qualifies for one of the hardest tournaments there is in Canada. I mean, he—he he can play. He can yeah. play, man. For a guy who picked mean, up the game like six years ago, it, it, it's still pretty crazy. I mean, and he's got a younger brother that's pro- that might even be better than he is. But I mean, we're not gonna talk about that online, right? So yeah. yeah, but Dwayne can play. I mean, if he gets hot at Regina too, just the strike shot he was throwing at TPC it was crazy.
2: Yeah, he mm-hmm. gets that roll in the jump on and it, it just carries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So,
3: so those are my two for sure. But I, I can't see oh whist. He gets in the match play, man.
4: He he lights out. Yeah, I I've got him twice.
3: Oh yeah, you got lucky the last time.
4: Yeah, yeah my ball return got it too. Yeah.
1: Yeah, <laughs> aid That's a band-aid.
2: <laughs> no, I'm. I'm actually really interested on your on you guys. All your guys' picks. Uh, what about uh, with Regina coming up? Um, how do you guys feel about the the change they made in tri- uh, the trios a couple years ago? Did you guys like the change, or did you? Would you rather just uh, the old? Did you like preferred your other one?
0: So I like I like the addition to the like adding, a, I guess you'd call it like a high roller event. They It's more money. They tried to, without copying the Invitational or the Shootout, they created a high mm-hmm. roller event, right? I, so trying I like, to make it more
3: yeah, prestigious, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: I like that portion of it, for sure. But as for the, it was a, was it a five game qualifier last year or was it three game? Three. three. I don't like that. Yeah, it's I, too short. I
3: said the same thing. I said the same thing to, uh, as as that, carry.
0: Yeah. Three games
3: is just too short. You gotta have four at least. Uh, I feel to get that like that extra push, that extra game. You know, if you're down fifty with one game to go, you get that time to feel it, right?
0: Yeah, I um, especially yeah. especially for that type of money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a it's a lot of money to put down and risk it in three games and there's something to be said if the the great players will come through and show up, right? But there's a lot of great players there that sometimes struggle a little bit and maybe they don't put their money in next year because, right? I think you're going to deter players faster by shortening the, the event than by extending it, right?
3: I can't remember the exact time frame of it, but I don't feel like it was too late we were finishing anyways. And, I mean, if we could just... Just look at what TPC did there by adding the ladies in, right? It didn't really take time away. It, it added a little... Sorry it, sorry, it didn't really add too much time. A little bit, but not much. But at the end of the day, it kept us in the center. I mean, the center was a little bit more profitable on that day because there, yeah. there was more people in it. So we were there staying longer. We were drinking and whatever. If we're going to give us one more game at at Regina on that, on that Thursday night, is it really going to affect the center that much? No, because they're already closed, right? So, I mean... If they give us that extra game, maybe we'll stay around a little bit more drinking. I know I'm still drinking on that night. I know I'm there with my team having a couple of drinks because, it, because you know, you're at the end of the day, you're still there to enjoy the company you're with
0: yeah. and
3: play with that team. So, I mean, yeah, I, I feel like that one extra game, it, it makes all the difference for the players, but it's not going to really be hurtful to the center.
0: Agreed. trust
3: just my opinion, but I do like the, the the match play basis. I think that is a fun format to have as a team because it's not it's not around a lot. You know, I mean, they got in the, the TPC as the doubles, and they have it at Red or, uh, Red Deer for yeah. the Bakers, which I'm not a huge fan of for the for the playdowns for Red Deer, just because huh. I mean, by that time you're done. You know, I mean, you're you're done.
0: Yeah, it's 20 games, right? Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah, and you got the breaks and whatever there too
0: because the the scoring system how it works. Yeah,
3: but. Yeah, for the most part, I do like that challenge, though, of having the match play portion. <laughs> yeah,
1: how much was it again? Sorry, guys, I wasn't there for it last year. How much was it? Two fifty each. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that was two hundred yeah. each. I thought.
3: Uh, okay, It could be two hundred. Well, in, the, but in that range. How much
2: was? How much was the win though? How much was the win?
3: Well, it's hundred percent payout there. I know that. Uh, I could I couldn't tell you how much it was. I I want to say offhand it was seven hundred each.
2: Okay, that's yeah. what I want to
3: say offhand. I I can't be totally sure about that, but I want to say that was what it was.
2: Did they there? No, but no. no, fourteen, I think. That's I think that's the
3: thing. That has it ever has it ever been full while they had the triples at this high roller event? No, no. Yeah, see, and I mean, they were full year after year after year when it was just the four games. You come out there, you have a good time, and it was only sixty bucks.
2: Yeah. Right, and you still have, and you still had the early lead too, right?
3: Yeah, so they, the center didn't have to push their lead back at all, right? Yeah. So I, I mean, I don't, I don't
0: know. Yeah, and I think they still had the they had a steak supper that the Regina Five Pin ran at the restaurant above for years. Yeah, when it was that was fun. The sixty dollars. Really, always, always supported it. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, I think that was fun. I think the first year of the the high roller event they had it that year, and then last year they didn't have it. And I, maybe it's because everybody was already downstairs getting ready for the three player event. Right. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's
2: fair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was absolutely it.
0: Um, you know, on, honestly, it,
2: it's not, I think any event. I'm kind of getting tired of Baker's, right. You know, it's right. You know, uh, it's, it's quick. It's easy. It's easy to manage. Um, but what other formats out there, if you had a cho- chance to change over to Baker's, um, would you guys go to i mean you know even a doubles event or something different
0: altogether is there
2: another format out there
0: yeah uh, before we hit the formats yeah do you think there's a need to change although all those bakers events fill
2: oh no you're right yeah. for sure you are you're, yeah. no you're right and i still have like i still have fun but it sometimes right. it's kind of a drag right yeah so what you, format you would you
0: to replace it right Oh, I
2: heck no! I don't know what I don't know. I'm no, no, I, if there's I any, yeah, no, I'm
0: yeah. I'm agreeing with your question. I just I just wanted yeah. to clarify that there's no need to because the events fill. So,
2: well, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I guess like I, I'm biased. I know our doubles runs a long night, but it, it's doubled, doubled the doubled amount of people, right? I mean, Regina could fill that too, right? That's instead of 60, 64 players, you have hundred twenty eight bowlers, right? And and then you're looking at fifteen hundred each for first. Right? The but money's all, there, but it's a lot longer night.
3: I mean, it is a lot longer night, and I mean the center looks to make more profitable to, <coughs> looks to make it more profitable too. Yeah. If, if it was doubles, and that's why like for you guys on your Friday night, yes yeah. it, it makes you way more money than you if you would have bakers.
0: You have that's way more sure. people
3: in the center, you have way more people drinking, way more people eating food. It's it's way more beneficial to that center to have doubles. But if it isn't broke, I'd say don't fix it. Don't
2: fix it.
1: No, what makes sense
3: Right, I mean, Bakers fills up every year, and every year there's like two teams on the waiting list at Regina because they did they just messed up and they didn't get their team in, or or they're there and they're like, oh, I wasn't planning on coming, but they end up being there. And there's like so many people there anyways, drinking and having food and whatever. But personally, I say don't if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But I mean, there's not a lot of formats out there that we can really do in our game. I mean, you could have like a you could do it. They could do a four man down the line, no tap if you wanted to, four games or five games. But I mean, personally, I like. I just like the Baker's format the most. You have that integrated system of everybody bowling all as one, and you're just relying on that person at that one moment in time on that 5 or bagger, 6 or bagger, seven-bagger, and it just makes it that much more fun when you're as a team and you do it all at once.
1: And it adds a little sure. bit of strategy to it, too. A oh, oh, 100%. Great.
3: I right, love so. that strategy. I love that. You you picked in 10, you're gone. Okay? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah.
4: With uh, I, I don't know this this past weekend I don't know if anybody was watching any of the darts or heard any of the darts, <laughs> uh, but there was like farting yeah. right with uh, Gary Anderson, and yeah. he, instantly once that ended up coming up, uh, I I could only picture Gene Zbarth, yes, in the pit, basically doing the exact same thing at Open Provincials. Yeah. And uh, I, I guess one, one topic I, I'd like to bring up is uh, maybe some of the mind games that we've come across over the years. Or do we use the mind games uh, against other people? Um, do 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 any work anymore?
0: I, I'll bring up one. Uh, I do believe it was Mitch Davies. Where were <laughs> we? We were uh, <laughs> I think it was in BC in Surrey. Cut me off at Cloverdale, I think it was. No, no that
2: was gold. that was golden mile. That was golden mile no, during no. the open.
0: No. Oh. No, this was Masters.
2: <laughs> I probably did well, it that a couple times. Time.
0: He wasn't even lead I boy, I was done. lead boy and he still cut me off. <laughs>
2: <laughs> probably. To be, honest, <laughs> yeah. Ian McRitchie does the same did the same thing to us when we were in Sudbury, right? And, and at that point, honestly, it's like just go bowl. It doesn't bother me. Just you might as well go ahead and do what you gotta do. Right? we believe our team is uh, good enough or, or, or better we can beat you guys then go ahead like it doesn't bother me that way okay so
3: <laughs> when it comes to mind games I I love them okay I love them <laughs> I find it amazingly fun I find it so intriguing and I just and I and, and it works sometimes it doesn't work sometimes I mean it is what it is I mean we're all top level talent players that's when you're going against one guy one on one I know I can beat you one on one I know you can beat me one on one but I, I I find it I find it just so invigorating and so and so satisfying when it works. I really do. So probably what happened is, Kerry, you were probably lights out that weekend, which you, I think you were. Um, yeah,
2: record and, record score. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. <laughs> So um, to be honest, I just want you thinking about something else. That's not you being lights out. You being so fluent. You being having it so easy going. I just want you to think. I want you thinking about. This guy really just cut me off. And I want you to squeeze that ball a little bit harder. And I want you to be just thinking about nothing else other than me. I did against Herbert one time. We were playing that uh, we Regina Classic. That's right in the finals, right? The one year. And he's going lights out. Like, I'm going well, but this guy is just going hot. And you know, Mike, he'll go up there time after time after time after time. Strike, 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 strike. And he will just go. He'll run up there and he'll throw a ball. And I mean, I want to slow this guy down. And I want him to think that I'm doing it. Like, I want him to know that I'm doing it because he'll think about me and be like, you're an an idiot. And all he'll do, all he'll do is think about that the entire time. He'll be pacing back and forth, pacing back and forth, wanting to go bowl so fast. But I'll just sit there for 10 minutes and not a care in the world. And then I'll go up. (laughs) I'll go up. And and I'm still going to try my best. And I've got to not think about that too. That's the hardest part about a mind game. Okay? Mm -hmm. The hardest part about a mind game is not worrying about what you just did to somebody else just stay in the game and stay focused as best you can and then if it doesn't work it doesn't work if it did work it did work i mean it's not always going to work some i love when guys say though that it got me going it got me going it's like you really <laughs> think you needed the extra incentive in the finals for 10 grand uh, uh, <laughs> it
1: got me going? yeah
3: like you know you know what i mean when people say that you you did that and i got me going and i and I just wanted to beat you so bad. It's like, no, you wanted to be able to say that. That's it. At the end of the day, you beat me, and now you want to say that because it makes you feel satisfied. <laughs> so that, to me, I, I love
2: mind games, though. I think they're so fun. The, the, the best one I've heard, uh, well, I remember how much it motivated them, was uh, Gino still talked about it today about uh, Stephen Peter's match. And I know Mitch wasn't there in Regina at that point, but uh, I think it was Cam Robin- uh, Robinson. <laughs> Uh, he was uh, telling him to go down the the tunnel where the the bathrooms are, the hallway. He said, like, "Go down the hallway. Don't even look at Gino, don't look at him. He, you know uh, what? Just don't bother." Right?
0: Just, just and, to correct uh, you on G- that, Tim, it, it wasn't Cam, it was Phil. Phil, sorry. Yeah. Sorry, Phil.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and he just told him to go down there and really, <laughs> if you understand Gino, as soon as you as soon as you put him over that level, he's you're done, right? Back in the day and. Still even today, and uh, and Gino said that was probably the dumbest thing somebody could have ever done against him. <laughs> Trying yeah. to play a mind game, it worked opposite.
0: And right? Mitch, Mitch, you're right. Like, for a lot of people, $10,000 is, is a lot, and that's what they're playing for. Gino plays for the title. So oh, yeah, when, no, when no somebody doubt. steps on his toes or, or pissed them off, that <laughs> that's what set him off. He, he Yes, he was there to, there to win, but that just made him want to prove a point even more, right? So uh, and you
3: know what the title might be worth ten thousand to someone else, the, t- the money might be worth it.
1: It's yeah. all the same concept, right?
0: Yeah. No, exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, it was, I, uh, I it was pretty cool. Games <laughs> uh, t- Tim
1: is Tim is a guy that I could I can talk to, and he he like he crumbled <laughs> like <laughs> he knows <laughs> there, There's been years at TPC where he will like I'll face him, and he'll sit down in a chair, and he will completely ignore me. He will not slap my hand. He will not look at me. He will not say a word. He'll be a complete dick for an hour and then get crushed. To be honest with you, when, when I
2: have, see him on a leaderboard and I'm facing him, I want nothing to do with it. I just wrapped it off <laughs> my shoes and push forfeit. Uh, but, I, I remember we, we played we played at Collingwood. This is the year after Dexter won, right? And he, he was in, this is the year that he lost Johnny, right? Um, I think we were on... Oh, 9 and ten. I think we're on nine and ten or eleven and twelve, on the left side when you walk in. And we're at the wall, I think it was, and uh, I purposely shook Dexter's hand in the second frame of the, of the Ooh, third like game cause, because because he had a thousand already almost. Oh, okay. I, I say, you're, you're not you not getting four digits off of me. I'm shaking your hand. You an see stealing <laughs> it, not
1: happening. Um, for Tim, for Tim, all I gotta do is start singing "Eye of the Tiger," and yeah. it's a guarantee. Dexter, entry. Dexter, Dexter, this is a podcast. Don't make it private, okay? It's, this is, uh, public. Don't make it public. Knows, no. I'll, tell
2: guys, I'll
3: tell you guys. i you guys another
1: one here. Oh, go ahead, Jim, or all Dex. Right. Go ahead. My personal favorite was, and and it, it worked for a little while. Uh, was just asking people, hey, do you uh, do you breathe in or breathe out when you ball? Oh, yeah, I like that one. <laughs> and, I like that and one. And man, the amount of people that get up there and rip a deuce because and they, think <laughs> they about it. can't think about, what am I doing? And they yeah. rip a deuce every time. Love it.
3: Or, or ask them how they're holding the ball that day. <laughs>
1: yeah.
3: ask, them, ask them how they hold the ball. They'll, they'll go hold the ball and they'll be like, well, how am I holding it? Oh, yeah, I like that one. But my. My favorite one of all time – so it was Open Provincials like three or four years ago. Uh, it was, it was, I'm on Hamilton, and we're playing Central, and they got they got a bunch of good players. They got Jim Head, uh, Wade, uh, Doug Brock is on a team. And, yeah, Ingeville. They got a great team. And um, we got a good team too, though, and I know we can beat these guys. So first game out of the gate, we're playing them. I started off on a four-bagger, and I beat Dougie up there every single time, every single time. And I just want him to think that I want to go first. I want him to th- – I don't care if I go first. I just want him to think I do, so that way when he rushes up there, he's thinking about nothing else other than I beat him up there. He wanted to go first, and I got him. So he blocks me right in the, between the pit and the ball return. So I walk up on his lane and I hop the ball return, and I get on <laughs> and I grab my ball. <laughs> I grab my ball and he goes to go on the lane. So I step up within two feet of my approach, like I'm two feet from the line, and he backs off. The and I back up about four or five feet, and then I just go in and throw a strike at, for the five bagger. And he's just like, this is ridiculous. And, and he, but all he's thinking about, is he's just thinking about me. He's not worried about anything else. And I like that. That's, that's the goal. But yeah, like, I, I just want you thinking about anything else that's not about your game. And I mean, it's not going to, listen, top guys are top guys, man. They're, it's not going to work most times. If you try it, you don't try it. I mean, whatever. That's your own thing, however you want to go about it. Some guys, it ain't going to work no matter what you do. And, and and some guys, it's going to work if you say hi. Yeah. It, yeah. You know, it, it doesn't yeah. matter. So, I mean, you just want them thinking about something else, but you don't want to overdo it. You don't want to go about it the wrong way, either. You don't yeah. need to be a complete uh, you know, dick on the lanes or whatever. So, you don't want to go about it the wrong way because at the end of the day, you still have to see this guy a lot of times more. Right? And you still have to, you know, you're still going to enjoy drinks with this guy probably later or this girl, whatever. So, be respectful about it too and know what's in the game so if someone does do something to you just know it's in the game and that's it at
0: yeah. the end of the day
1: that, that was the whole goal right the only one that's really ever bothered me is I hate and I, and I don't know whether it's on purpose or not and it doesn't really matter I I, I really find resetting the pins while other people are standing on oh. like, and super disrespectful yeah. especially when it starts happening on a regular basis and mm-hmm. you're very conscious of not doing it to other people at the end yeah. day, it shouldn't bother me at all. I shouldn't even notice. But uh, I'm very aware of when people are up on the approach, and I'll make sure to wait to reset pins. So I just, I just like the same amount of respect back.
0: Yeah, no, well definitely. Um, that's something I do. Like I reset the pins every frame, but I'll, I'll use lane courtesy when I do it. So I make sure they're done releasing their shot before I even touch the button. I, I think. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's a respect thing. You're, you're not there to screw with what's going on the lanes. You're there, you're there maybe to get in their kitchen a little bit, but you're not there to mm-hmm. affect what's going on in front of them. You shouldn't be, anyways. Well,
3: like, if I'm in qualifying or or if I'm playing match play like a TPC where you got the two guys or whatever and you're not playing against the one guy, however it may go, um, some of you guys probably know this or not. I don't go beside a pick. If someone picks, and I don't team, go.
2: Yeah,
3: yeah, I don't go. So I'll back off. I mean, be respectful in a qualifying or, or whatever it may be. But if it comes down to match play and you want to hold off, I'll, I'll sit there all day. Like, I don't even care. So if, 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 if I'm going to wait for it, that's fine. If you want to make me go for it and play that mind game, that's on you. And that was a good job in that match play to know that. And everybody listening to this podcast you can now, now know <laughs> that I don't like going beside it. But, yeah, in, in qualifying, be respectful there. If, if we're just playing for
2: eight games and you're like, no, go, I'm, you know, I'm going to be a little upset right um i was gonna say i i don't i don't do any mind games i don't i don't think it's really worth my time i i know i know when they're happening and you just kind of prepare yourself for it um i don't even know if carrie and dex really or or adam really do any mind games either i don't think adam does either right we just we kind of have our superstitions or i rub my nose sometimes if i hope something (laughs) happens right or Stuff like that, but that's not mind games, that's just your own mind game. There,
0: just in league <laughs> bowling, Tim. When I walk up beside you while you're on the other lane, <laughs> he crumbles yeah, every time.
2: <laughs> do you know? To be honest, you're you talking about resets. Long story short, we have two guys in this podcast right now who played our team, and every time it was my mill, my backswing. Their team was losing. They kept on pushing the reset button. It's not a fun league. It's a championship caliber <laughs> league where I need a win, and these two guys are pushing the resets in my bill and my backswing. Yeah, it was rude. And the the best hypocritical hypocritical. Yeah.
1: Don't push the button. When I we know. don't push the button, and Tim yeah. Tim's lost.
0: <laughs> <laughs> For everybody listening, uh, yes. it is a fun league. So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, spe- speaking
4: speaking of some of those resets, uh, especially those uh, those centers around that uh, that have that delay uh, on the mm-hmm. resets, and then yeah. you know mm-hmm. people start using that to their advantage. And I still remember down in uh, I, it was either Medicine Hat or Lethbridge, and uh, I was playing in Calgary at that point. And uh, the the central coach, uh, i I'll, I'll leave nameless, definitely got under the skin of a few of our players just using that, that delay to, to his team's advantage, and it, it totally got under the skin. So, yeah, I, I, as Tim saying, I, I personally, I don't use mind games. I just kind of let my, my bowling speak for itself, which I, I think does as much as, as anything typically. But I, I love watching mind games. I, I can see him from a mile away. I laugh at people trying <laughs> him against me. Playing against Mitch, uh, it, it, it's so much fun. I, I, I don't <laughs> think Mitch... Tr- tries to do mind games I think he subconsciously just does them anyways right so but I know he's not doing them with uh with a bad intent right he he again he he keeps it within the game right and uh the 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 goal of the game is to win your match right and if you can do it respectfully without uh you know causing a lot of damage uh uh, I I think mind games are that that semi-intimidation it's no different than coming off the lane absolutely pumped that's right. it. It, it, it's the exact same thing, right? You're just trying to take that other person off their game, uh, just for a second, right? If you're going up against a guy who's got a triple and you really need him to to, to give you an opening, and he throws that other one, and you're staring down as he's walking, staring at you, right? That that's enough. <laughs> he's already in your kitchen, right? Yeah. You're he's so everybody's exposed to those mind games.
1: I don't think I do mind games anymore either. I mean, I, I never really did, except, except for basically against him. I don't know. In the last couple of years, I've just really more so focused on myself than anything. There is one exception that I, I won't share on the podcast, but uh, there was one mind game I played in a cash tournament this year, and it, it was it, it, it was subtle and maybe a little dirty, but, <laughs> you
3: know, it worked. I'll tell you a story about a reset, though, actually. It's funny when it comes to reset and pins. Um we're at the Open Nationals. Uh, we're playing Northern Ontario, and um, Trevor. Uh, Trevor.
2: Uh-huh. Uh, Cava. Cava. That's
3: right. Yeah. Okay. So we're playing. We're playing him, and he's up one player in front of me, and he's on a triple. And this, you know, he gets fired up. He, he gets fired up. Well, the reset. The reset buttons at Neb's are side by side on the other side of the screen, and I didn't look on the other side of the screen. I just put my hand over there, and I hit the reset button. Well, I hit his button <laughs> while, he, while he was throwing. <laughs> Needless to say, he didn't throw a ball for about eight minutes, okay? Like, he was rattled. He was beyond rattled. We were down by about 50 or 60 with two frames left to go, and we actually came back and won the game. And he opened both 9-10. Oh, my God, man. And that was totally unintentional. Like, that was not supposed to be that way. And I felt bad. But you know what comes across as, like, you're like, you did that on purpose. I'm like, I swear to God, I did it. But it it, it worked. Uh, but, yeah, they ended up coming back and beating us in the playdown. So, who knows? <laughs>
4: Karma. Karma. <laughs> Karma. That was a total accident,
3: though. But yeah, that, that happened.
0: <laughs> awesome. <laughs> All right, guys. I'm just going to wrap up the five pin universe podcast here. Um, if you want to stick around keep talking, that's more than fine. Uh, Mitch, thanks for joining us all the way from Ontario. I'm sure it's past uh, midnight out there now.
3: Yeah, I'm on nights though. So it's all
0: good. Oh, it works. Perfect. All right. Thanks guys. Yeah.